0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Just Say Gway. I'm your host, George Gway. Today I'm joined by Tim McCone, who works for 98.5 The Sports Hub. Tim, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. This will be fun.
0: Yeah, so how everything's been? You know, coming off of a great uh, week with the Patriots draft. Obviously, the Celtics from the playoffs. Tough loss last night. Bruins about the uh, play for a game to hopefully force a game seven. What's it been like?
1: I mean, these are the weeks that you kind of live for, right? To do this, uh to do this job for sure. Like you said, you got the Patriots draft, uh, the Celtics and Bruins both in the postseason, Red Sox kind of kicking things off, uh, US Open coming up here in Boston uh, in a little bit too. Uh very exciting time. Uh, unfortunately, not necessarily going the way we want for the postseason for both the Bruins and Celtics, but hopefully they can turn things around here over the next few days and uh and get on the right side of this stuff. But yeah, it's been uh It's been exciting, uh, nonetheless, absolutely.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, I bet some fan bases are saying that, you know, we're due for this type of uh, postseason given I mean championships have won. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, what were your thoughts going into this Patriots draft? You know, for me, I think it was a positive year. You know, you didn't go as far as you wanted to in the playoffs given how well you were playing. But, you know, given a big reset after uh, Tom Brady leaving and having a a down year with Cam Newton as quarterback, you know, they exceeded my expectations. Uh, In terms of the first round, you know, I didn't think you needed to draft offensive line. You know, you, you were third to last and giving up sacks last year. You were eighth ranked in running offense. Uh, what were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, look, I think the biggest thing this offseason uh, has been trying to make and put Mac Jones in a position where he can be as successful as possible, right? Obviously, like you said, I think they overachieved last year based on what expectations were going into that season. Uh, but the big takeaway is that you potentially found your future franchise quarterback in Mac Jones, right? And so now Bill Belichick's one of those guys that's always talked about the biggest leap you make in the NFL is from year one to year two. And I want to make sure that they surround Mac Jones with enough talent, whether it's on the offensive line, whether it's the weapons he has on offense, um, where he can be um, at his best. And so, yeah, there are definitely some questions coming into this year. Obviously, he loses Josh McDaniels and there's a lot in the coaching staff where you're going, are we really about to roll with uh, you know, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia? uh as you know is that who you're putting your faith in when it sure with Mac Jones and then you know my biggest thing that I wanted to see the Patriots do this offseason and it sounds simple but I wanted to see them bring in a weapon that kind of kept defensive coordinators up at night right and you kind of look across the landscape of the AFC right now and certainly there are a lot of teams that have that and I don't think Mac Jones necessarily has that weapon right now so look is uh, Cole Strange potentially going to help him because of the offensive line? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we'll see whether or not the second round pick uh, winds up being hit. And Maybe that's kind of your weapon that uh, kind of opens things up here. But right now, I think offense has a lot of nice pieces. But again, I don't think Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, those guys necessarily strike fear in defensive coordinators' uh, minds, unfortunately. So um, I don't know if they've done enough. And you kind of look at, again, the landscape of the AFC. I mean, this is not your uh, – this is not like a 2011 type AFC where you're going to get a tomato can here uh, a- after a buy for the Patriots. Like, it is absolutely loaded. So they might be a better team than what they were last year in terms of on-field product and have a worse record, right? I mean, this is going to be – this is going to be tough sledding for sure. So uh, going to be interesting, um, but always going to be uh, exciting too with uh, Bill Belichick and company there in New England.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, I think this was a draft that's something that people aren't talking about a lot, how challenging it was because, you know, it's such a passing league now. You know, you got lit up in that playoff game against Buffalo. You know, you're going to have to deal with Josh Allen for the next 10 to 15 years. He didn't force a punt.
1: He didn't force a punt. No. Not great. Not great. Yeah.
0: (laughs) In the same time, you got a draft on the offensive side. I would have liked a receiver or a cornerback, you know, in the first round or traded up. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fact that they didn't draft the Alabama receiver that everyone you know, was talking about? You know, to me, I get the whole thing, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow, you know, and Jamar Chase were reunited, but I know they had that connection, but I think he was being drafted regardless because he's just a generational receiver. And I don't think that was really guaranteed um, with Max's teammate.
1: Yeah. I think you nailed it. Right. I mean, you, you kind of look at it and you're talking about, obviously they have that connection, but you're also talking about two all world players that were going to go top five in the draft. You look at Mechie. And nice player at Alabama, certainly, uh, but also coming off the knee. And so we've seen that, you know, guys have had it's been a tough transition to come into this Patriots system as a receiver to begin with. Now you're a rookie wide receiver that also has to rehab a knee that. All right. So now you're ready to go in what November ish. Like, are you really going to be up and running uh, at this point this season or is it going to be a complete redshirt year? I honestly lean more towards a redshirt year, and I wonder if they just looked at the value there at that point and said, "You know what? Instead of uh, drafting a guy that's going to have to sit for a whole season, let's try to well, let's try to surround him with guys that are going to be available for him this season." Uh, and I'm with you too. Like, yeah, on paper that sounds nice, uh, but it's really nice when again you're pairing generational talents together. Uh, and I don't necessarily think that, that was the case um, with Mechie and and Mac Jones. Yeah,
0: for sure. And you know, what? I did like the pick with. Um... Thornton you know the, the fact that he has he did run the fastest 40 of the wide receivers I don't think there's any more pressure uh, that can be placed on him than there is because of the fact that Bill hasn't really hit on his uh, wide receivers I know you guys have talked about it at the sports hub for the last two years how they could have drafted Metcalf, Debo Samuel you know the list goes on um, but to me I think also I think you could have gotten the corner earlier as well you know like I had the list of guys that they're going to be facing this year with the schedule that just came out You know, Tyreek Hill, Waddle, Stefan Diggs, Jamar Chase, uh, Garrett Wilson, who's a rookie, but I think he's going to make a big impact on the Jets. Uh, Adams, Landry, Justin Jefferson, you know, I just think losing um, J.C. Jackson, you know, you just had to go get a corner, but obviously they had different plans. Uh, My last question about the draft is, what were your thoughts on him taking a quarterback? Uh, I know that uh, he broke all the records in college, but to me, that's kind of reminded me of the, the kicker pick a few years ago where he really could have gotten a quarterback later in the, in the in round. It's really not a need. But, you know, obviously we saw it during COVID when Cam Newton couldn't play, uh, it was a crisis. So what are your thoughts on the, uh, that pick?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we saw with Brady, you know, throughout his career as well, where, you know, they were taking guys, whether it was Kevin O'Connell, whether it's Ryan Mallett, you know, they're, they're taking guys in the third, fourth round. Um, when Brady obviously had a ton of years left. And I think it's one of those situations where, um, you know, they kind of looked at the landscape of their roster, and obviously they move on from Stidham uh, officially today. I think they were ready to, to kind of move on from that situation. Brian Hoyer's getting uh, older. So let's bring in a developmental quarterback that maybe can eventually develop into a backup quarterback. And I'll tell you what, you know, you kind of look across the landscape of the NFL and how much guys pay for backup quarterbacks. So if you're bringing in an established guy, You're going to pay him a decent amount, even if he's your backup quarterback. And I think that the Patriots have always kind of viewed it as a situation where if we can keep that in-house and groom a guy that's capable of stepping in for a game or two and have him on a salary of a fourth-round rookie contract, that's a huge win for us. And so I think that's one of the reasons why they seem to do this on a consistent basis. And a lot of people go, what the hell? Why are you drafting a guy in the third round if Tom Brady is your quarterback? You're going to have him still for the next five, six years. But I think you look at it and you go, all right, yeah, that's fine. But what we're doing is we're giving up fourth-round capital, and now we have a potential backup quarterback here making really cheap money for the next four years. And if he actually develops into something, we can then flip him for more draft capital down the road. So I actually don't have a problem with it. I wasn't overly surprised by that move just because that's been in their playbook now for, uh, for, for a lot of years. And if you're doing that with the greatest quarterback of all time on your roster, then I don't think you're necessarily afraid to do that with a uh, with a second-year player and Mac Jones on your roster.
0: Yeah, for sure. We'll see how the pick works out. You know, personally, a little devastated by the Stidham move. I actually bought his jersey a week before Cam Newton signed. Um, Whoops. <laughs> what? I, was, yeah. I was on, you know, Team Stidham. I thought I'd be able to trade in the jersey with Fanatics. And, you know, you can't after a certain amount of purchase time, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Good
1: luck flipping that thing now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah maybe I'll have some value later, you know, I'll be, I'll be the only one that has it. So yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the coaching hires this off season? You know, I know there was a lot of talk about it at the combine saying that, you know, these aren't the guys that Bill should be hiring. You know, my personal opinion on it, you know, I think in terms of the hires, you know, I wouldn't want these guys being head coaches because clearly they shown that they could, you know, Patricia and Detroit gates in New York uh, and same with Joe judge. But, you know, their track record assistance has been solid. So, you know, I, I personally actually wanted Bill O'Brien to come to New England, like uh, Alabama connection, and he's been here before, but uh, we'll see what happens. But what were your thoughts on the hires?
1: Yeah, you know what? You bring up a good point because I'm actually with you on the Bill O'Brien thing. I thought that would have been an awesome move if the Patriots could have pulled that off. Obviously, that doesn't happen. You are bringing back a ton of experience. And, and look, I know it didn't go well in Detroit, it certainly didn't go well in New York with those guys, but now they have head coaching NFL experience. Um, They have experience in your system. They know what the expectations are. I guess my biggest question moving forward is, who is going to develop Mac Jones? And both of those guys have had coaching experience. I don't know if they have experience developing the quarterback. And again, I think your most important asset moving forward outside of Bill Belichick is Mac Jones. And so you're placing a lot of faith on those guys that they're going to be able to do that. If they can, that's fantastic. I'm with you. If they brought back both of those guys and somehow pulled off Bill O'Brien, I think it's a slam dunk and you, you're off and running with that coaching staff. That obviously wasn't the case. Um, so we'll see. You know, if they, can, if they can cobblestone this thing together on the offensive side and, you know, actually have a plan in place here and the development of Mac Jones doesn't get hindered this year and he doesn't take a step back, then I think you're fine. Uh, but I'm with you. You know, I think that they've gotten killed bringing back both those guys, but they both have experience in the system and as head coaches. I think that that is beneficial. Uh, so we'll have to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, my only worry is that are one of those guys going to be picked to, you know, be the head coach when, when Bill leaves? And I don't think Kraft would let that happen. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, like I said, Bill Bryan would have been great. But, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about the Celtics. Uh, obviously, the series has been a roller coaster. Uh, obviously, the hard part is every time each team's won a game, they haven't been able to, you know, repeat the same fashion going into the next game. Uh, what are your thoughts being down? You know, 3-2, you know, personally, I think they can win it. Uh, It's just a matter of execution in the next game. I think the hard part about 3-2 is you've seen it over the years. You know, Kobe did it against the Celtics. LeBron did it multiple times. But the hard part is is that those teams had the best player in the world at the time, and I think Giannis is that player. So, you know, what are your thoughts on 3-2? Yeah,
1: I mean, Giannis, uh, without question, has established himself as the best player in this series. I've been really high on Jason Tatum in the second half of the season that he's had. Uh, but he's not on Giannis's level uh, at this point. So you're right that the Bucs have the best player. Uh, I still think that the Celtics are capable of winning a championship. Uh, I expected them to coming into this postseason. I know that sounds ridiculous, but they were playing so well uh, in that second half of the season. And then you look at, you know, where Milwaukee is and outside of Giannis, from a talent perspective on that roster, it's not overly impressive. Um, I-, I give them a ton of credit. Um, and I thought that, honestly, the Celtics were going to have their way in this series couple breaks go their way and and obviously this thing's different I still can't believe that they blew uh game five in Boston uh, I thought that they had that thing sewn up if that's the case I think this series is over obviously that's not uh what took place I think they're still capable of knocking them off uh like you said I don't count them out by any stretch because I do think that they ultimately are the best team in the Eastern Conference this would be a devastating loss uh no doubt for the Celtics if they weren't able to pull this off because I, I kind of Liking it back to the 2019 run uh, that the Bruins had, where it felt like this thing just kind of opened up. And you get past big brother and Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant in round one against Brooklyn, which uh, I was kind of pounding the table. I wanted that matchup. You took care of business in that one. Chris Middleton goes down for the Bucks, And you look at Miami that's potentially coming out. They just look old. They're not 100%. If Philadelphia somehow manages to get past there, they're not 100%. Like, this thing just kind of opened up for you. Huge opportunity for the Celtics. And what a waste of the opportunity it would be if they weren't able to pull this out. Because, again, I think they – outside of injuries, I think they established themselves as the best team in the Eastern Conference. So this would be – this would be disappointing if the Celtics weren't able to pull this out, no doubt.
0: Yeah, and, you know, they've been the best team in the Eastern Conference, clearly, for the last – you know, a few months or so since January, you know, whatever flip the switch.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. It's not It's not like this if they got hot in the last three weeks of the season. It's been an extended, extended amount of time where they've been the best team in the Eastern Conference. And I mean, they were hammering teams at the end of the regular season, uh, mowed down Brooklyn. And I just thought that they were going to keep this thing rolling in the series. And again, they've had outside of game one, they've had opportunities and they just haven't been able to capitalize on it. I think that's been a frustrating thing. You, you look at game five, there's no reason that the Celtics should have lost that game. All, all self-inflicted uh, mistakes that they had uh, that kind of cost them the game in game five.
0: Yeah, you know, I think the hard thing about that game last night is I think they close out every other team in the league except two. You know, Milwaukee, those are the champions. So you really got to knock them out. And I think the only other team that could have, you know, came back from that fast was Golden State. And just because of the three-point shooting in the championship pedigree, but, you know, Like I said, the last time I think we saw a team go down 3-2 on the road and come back was LeBron James with Cleveland. But, you know, I think, you know, we don't have LeBron James. But my only Celtics question is, in terms of Rob Williams not being healthy, is this something that you push him to play? Like, you know, we could have really used him in that last few seconds last night on Bobby Portis. But, you know, if he gets hurt in that last few seconds and, you know, we move on and we don't have him, it's such a bigger risk as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I just don't think he's 100%, which is frustrating. So, I mean, again, could you have used him in that one situation? I guess. But, like, I, I have to imagine that it's more than just soreness. I know that that's what we're listening as. Um, where if you're not dressing for playoff games, I don't think you're close to 100%. Because I think if you are, you're dressing and you're playing in that game. So, the fact of the matter is, I, I think you-, you-, you do your best to hold him out for as long as you possibly can. Try to get him right. And maybe if you can advance here uh, to the finals, he's, he's 100% by that. You know, I think you just, you kind of bide your time. Again, losing Robert Williams is huge. The Bucks don't have the second best player on their team right now. And a guy to average 19 points a game against you in the 2019 playoffs in Chris Middleton. So even without Robert Williams, he was a huge piece in the regular season. I still think you should take care of business against this team. Al Horford's been fantastic for you. Uh, and again, The wins have been right there. You kind of snatched them out of your your own grasp here with with some of the mistakes that you made. Uh, So, no, I'm not overly concerned with Robert Williams getting back in this series. You should still be able to take care of business.
0: Yeah, you know, my last point about this team is that this is the first time they've really been battle-tested in the playoffs since Game 7 of the bubble. So uh, it should be interesting, but, uh, Tim, thank you so much. Let's hope for a Celtics win, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. Let's do it again. Yep. Have a good one.